Good evening and welcome to episode 14 of Football Revisited. Premier League teams might be struggling with the congested fixtures and weekly muscle injuries, but we have no such problems as we're back to full strength. Just about. Rob's pulled through. How are we all, gents? Are we all good? Radio, yeah. just, just one turn on scratch card. Outstanding. That's what we like to hear. Right, so first segment this week is going to be a bit of a chat about... Um, how lockdown's been for us in terms of in terms of football and kind of our thoughts on it. Um, this was brought up by Mr. Sims on WhatsApp. Um, so I'll let you have the floor and kind of give your thoughts on why you brought it up and your feelings around it. Um, I, I actually, I, well, if I can just kind of stay on the point but open up a little bit more. Um, I think to start off with, it's just more about how you've seen this lockdown maybe compared to the last one. I mean, where we live now, technically we've been in three lockdowns. This is the third one um, mm. because of that one before Christmas and um, the fire break, you could argue. Um, but I don't know, personally, I found this one probably the hardest one. Um, I just find, obviously, the weather's not as good. Last, last first lockdown, you had the nice weather. And I just find, you know, when you, despite it being probably the easiest one because you, you think, well, there's obviously an end of the, the tunnel. Um, there's like to the end of the tunnel. Um, whereas back before we had no clue, I just find that it's just dragged and dragged and dragged this one. And then I just find it seeps through and into all everything I do. And then the major probably casualty for me then would be I found that sport just hasn't really done it for me anymore. Like I, I've, I mean, I think I've said back in November that I was kind of losing a bit of will with a, a bit of will towards football. And then maybe at the time it was more to do with the VAR and it seemed like an easy target. You could just point to VAR and say, oh, well, that's why. But then, I don't know, I've been thinking the last few weeks about it quite a bit and yeah, kind, kind of fall down on the idea then that actually, yeah, VAR hasn't helped at all. But it's probably more to it than that. So I just wonder more, that's how I have seen the last few months and how I find this lockdown. I don't know, what, how, you know Burke, how have you, how have you found this lockdown maybe compared to the other ones? Uh, I'll stop by saying, yeah, I hate VAR. That <laughs> ruined football two years ago. But, um, yeah, I think lockdown, like you say, it's been tough for everyone. I don't think anyone's going to sit here and say, lockdown, what lockdown? Obviously, everyone's feeling it. And it does filter through into every part of your life. And even just being able to sit down and watch a game of football and you're watching it what, as a distraction. But next thing, managers aren't allowed to shake hands. No one's in the stands. Like it is impacting everything, and it's not the Premier League that we were watching for years before. So it is a different. It's not football as we know it. So it, I'd say it is a worse experience, and it is for things like VAR. It is for the fact Liverpool are crap this year. There's so many aspects to it that make me not enjoy football at the moment, and lockdown is part of it. But I wouldn't say it's the be-all and end-all. I think if we were in this lockdown, Liverpool were playing well and VR didn't exist um, and I was winning my fancy football games, I'd be on top of the world. <laughs> Go on, Rob. Go ahead, um, Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll kind of uh, expand more on Burke's point about VAR. I don't particularly have much of a problem with VAR as the concept. It's more of the people who are running it and using it that I'm really frustrated about. I, I do enjoy the concept of VAR, but I do think uh, too many referees are using it as a safety net and essentially not, they're not doing what their job is and that's referee in the game. Um, I didn't expect, if like we were going to go back a year now, I didn't expect to be so much of a drastic change in kind of like my, my love for the game. Uh, like, yeah, like Burke was listing off, like VAR, no fans. And, you know, the only thing that kind of has my interest is fantasy football, and I'm currently bottom of the table. So even that's a bit of a chore. Um, hopefully there is a light, light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I can't see fans coming back this season, to be honest. Um, yeah. I think, you know, the way that this country's kind of dealt with it, I think it's just... I feel like we're just setting ourselves up for failure if we were to rush anything again uh, before kind of like 
June, July. So I think they play it safe. Um, but yeah, it's it's been an odd year, strange year. We've all been through it, but hopefully better times are ahead within the next six months. Hopefully. Um, yeah, but my, my two pens. I agree with Sims in that. I think this is definitely the worst. Because the three months that the Premier League had off, it was so exciting when it all came back. Like, oh my God, yeah, you got that buzz. Yeah, Premier League football is back. I can watch football. You know, I'm stuck in the house anyway. I get to watch all these games. Whereas now I look at it and I go, you know, there was like four games on a day. I'm like, I'm just sitting there from 12 to 10 watching football. And I'm like, now it's getting a bit, a little bit tedious, I'd say. Um, and the whole aspect of no fans is playing a bigger part than I thought it would. The referees are just being exposed and the fact that there's no fans there and they're still this bad tells you everything you need to know about the standard of officiating in this country. Um, I don't want to harbour on too much because obviously we all know what's happened with Mike Dean this week and obviously that's not a great thing but you know to make those kind of calls when, could, you, could you imagine the West Ham Fulham game if fans were in the stadium? Imagine the reaction he would have had just off that alone. Let alone all the other 100, 200 calls. The worst thing about that, I know we're not having a ref chat, but actually this season, I say Mike Dean has been one of the better referees this season. And that's obviously where he's at. It's, um, like I say, frightening. Yeah, but if if you can take any silver lining from it, hopefully it'll just show that they really need to do something um, about it. But yeah, I don't have about reps too much, but... Yeah, the overall feel just just really isn't the same. And you know, I'm not somebody who used to go to watch live football or live sport in general. But God, what I would give now to to go watch a live game, just to do something different, is just uh, would be something good. But yeah, I am. Um, I, I I have been known once in a while to have these like deep kind of moments where I think I just think of everything through. And I've had it for the last few days. I don't know why I just haven't kicked it. And I think I started thinking about I don't know, like why why is it that I'm is it because Liverpool are maybe struggling at the moment that that's why? And I was like, well, no, because I was like this back in November and it's just kind of gained momentum. I mean, over December, Liverpool players started playing really well. Um, just before Christmas now, they put a good few wins. And even then I was still oh, I'm not quite it just doesn't feel the same then. Like I was thinking about like the Six Nations. Say again, sorry. Tapered over the cracks when Liverpool are winning and playing well, but the cracks are still there. Yeah, definitely, and, and I mean, I, I was quite, I was pretty vocal even then when they were winning. It was a bit like, well, yeah, I love it, but you know, it was more like I love watching Liverpool. I wasn't exactly enjoying the game itself, but that was just sport in general. I think of like, but you know, me, me and Bats, we love the Six Nations, we love the rugby. Like, you know, this week now, I mean, for example, John, my partner Hannah didn't even know there was a game on. She didn't even know the Six, you know, the Six Nations. It, Nobody knew. Like my mother knew. Like my my own man didn't even know until like midweek. Yeah. And it's just it just all felt a bit. And then I started thinking like, why do I love sports? And then I, the two things I came down with were the one that it, it kind of connects people. So it brings everyone together. It doesn't matter you know what, what the age is. So for example, like you know I can sit down with my own man and watch a game of football. And all right, maybe our knowledge is different, but we still take we we'll still take different things from it, but we'll enjoy you know. And it doesn't matter what the background is. You have, you know, you look at sports teams like some have come from war torn countries. You know, I, we talk about Patrick Bamford, there, private school educated. He's on the same pitch as someone from Macedonia who's been living through a civil war when they were a kid. Yeah. You know, it's so that's the one thing which brings people together. And I just feel like at the moment it's clearly not bringing people together because you know nobody can do anything. Yeah. And it was that thing if you felt connected to players because you know they you'd watch them every week and. I look at them now and I think you've never felt more away from them. Like they just do seem, you know, they, they just seem in their bubble completely isolated from us. And that's not their fault like, at all. But obviously when you haven't got that engagement with them. And then the second one, this is the one that I've really come down on. I think this is where I've, this is like the realisation I had was, for me, like I love seeing people and teams at their absolute best doing things that like you never thought they could do or people yeah. couldn't do because it's just, you, know, you look at a football and you think like, oh my god, how was they? How have they done that? Like, what a player! Like, how is it? Like, it's it's a pleasure sometimes to watch footballers at the peak of their powers, 
because you think you you know when you're watching it like that is special. And I look at this and I was thinking about it this year and I was thinking like the very best of what people can do. I haven't seen it. Like I look at Man City now. I look I watch Man City on Sunday. Man City are clearly the best team in the country. Clearly, by far. And yet I still not at one stage did I think, oh wow, these are something else. I just thought, oh yeah, these are good. And I honestly think, I genuinely believe, I don't think anyone is hitting the heights that they normally would. So then you're not getting that feeling from sport. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like if Man City were playing like they were now last year, or the day year before, or the year before that, they, I think teams would beat them. Yeah, no, I think um, it was on MNF last night. They're only three points better off now than what they were last season. But yet, they seem so much better this season and so far yeah. ahead. So I think that just shows... Training match feel now. Yeah, and I, I quite enjoyed it at the start. I'll be honest, like seeing it was like just something different in it. You don't usually see an empty stadium. You don't you don't hear the voices of the managers and the players. You know, I've never heard some people's voices before. You new experience and all that, but I think it just just wears new. It's just it just comes the norm then, like every like everything has with COVID. And then it, it's not it's not the norm that I want to be in. I want to go back to what yeah. it was. You know, but no VAR. Uh, well, I mean, we can go into VAR because I agree with what Rob said. You know, I, I've said this all all time. VAR isn't the issue; it's the rules and the officiating isn't the issue. But I um, think it's part of both. But actually, I know again we're not VAR. But I yeah. actually watched a video just before coming on, and mm-hmm. it was the Australian ref using VAR. Have you seen it? Um, doing the rounds lately, and yeah. its quality basically is big uh, two foot tackle on halfway line. Yeah. Ref gives the L card, and as he's and he's mic'd up, and as he's walking over to the monitor, he's talking to the uh, VAR official, just going, I, "I'm on my way over. Can you just tell me what I'm looking out for?" And VAR, yeah. uh, the VAR's got, guys just like, "It's a really bad tackle. I think it's a bit high. It's probably a red card. You may w- want to look over." He looks at, walks over. He knows what he's there for. One look, he's like, "Yeah, you're right. It's a red card." Goes back, sent off. Ten, fifteen second job. Yeah. And, I- and then you see the suit check one. And last week, um, someone got overturned. Um, was playing got the red card overturned last week. Uh, I bet uh, the uh, red with Mike Dean again. Two overturned red cards in two weeks should never happen. One should never happen. I made the point in a group chat. But yeah. to have two in two weeks while you got fired, it's a joke. But sorry. Yeah, with with the same ref as well. Though no. I don't mean to go hard on Mike Dean, but he's he the most experienced. Um, the VR ref, though. And yeah, I think so. I've called yeah. him out before saying. Anytime there's a VAR fuck up, Lee Mace is, is on one side of he's there somewhere. But yeah, do, do you know what? Just just build it. I know I'm I'm a bit Derry down now, like, but just building on that with the Mike Dean thing. I, I saw that yesterday, I, I couldn't believe it because I think that's one of the other things I've looked at. I think, well, like, social media is toxic, it really is. And yeah. and I think, but I think I can't believe there are so many people who sit there and think, oh, I'm so annoyed about this. That I am now going to do what I've done. Like honestly, like what, like what? I, I genuinely can't get mad on it. I honestly can't. I can't even get mad on when people tag players and abuse them. And I'm like, what? It's yeah. a reflection of society at the moment, though, isn't it? Football always is. It always is. But the you question is, like, what do you hope to achieve? Yeah. Like, yeah. you sending a threat to Mike Dean or his family members. Like, where's this going? Is Mike Dean now going to go? Oh, Dave from Grimsby just give me a death threat. Next time I'm in a situation, I'm only giving the L card. Like, yeah. I I don't get what's happening. You think about it, like a lot of these young fans, players. Sorry, but it's gone. I was just going to say, you, know, you think of the, some of these fans who are, are giving a beer. So I'm not saying all of them, but some of them. Imagine the change that they've gone through on a match day. You know, they get up at a certain time, go to the cafe, have a chat with the lads, head over to the stadium. They're there two hours before kickoff. All I'll watch the game, get their frustration out. I'm not saying that they should, but that's the way that they, they vent their anger in the stadium. They go home then, all the anger's out. Whereas now, like I mentioned earlier, you get up, can't really do anything, and then you sit down t- watching the TV from 12 on BT, then you switch over to Sky, watch a few games until 9 o'clock. So what's your, what's your, what's your out? What can you do? The only thing you can do is type and go on social media and go, oh, Bamford, you shit, you missed four chances. You're crap, all this. I agree like, with what, that, yeah, what else are you going to do? Because people aren't going to just you know, go outside and scream their head off, they. So, you know, I, I can see why it's up, why it's... I think it's always been there, 
but it's just happening more because that's the only avenue that these people have got to uh, to do it. But yeah, I mean, this is a bigger issue. These social media companies. Yeah, it's just thing is, it's common sense. Not hard, think, like, is it? like you said, it's society is because yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with tweeting. Oh, I didn't think Bamford was very good today. Yeah, that's. But then to then go next level and actually wish death or serious yeah. harm to someone, and it's what yeah. I you can't even debate it because there's nothing to debate. It's just you can't debate tweets on people. Like people go remember like how many. I don't want to go too dark like that, but how many people have died from COVID? And you're sitting there wishing death on Marcus Rashford, say, or Martial or somebody, just because they missed a six-foot chance it's, or six-yard chance. It's definitely like, a perspective <laughs> thing. Like, I, remember, yeah. I, like I, I know Burke won't mind me saying this. I, I know me and Burke. I say, well, even just maybe before this year, before the title win, I know we used to like, wind each other up. Like, I'm not in a good way. We, we would text after a game. And like we might start off like pretty anno- we'd be annoyed, but we'd be like, and then like say Burke would say, Oh, did you see? Oh, I can't believe you did this. And I would add on. And then by the end of it, we'd both be fuming and raging. Yeah. And I, I just find out we're both quite detached about it because it's just like, well, it's happened. Because I do think you have that extra bit of perspective where you think, well, yeah. Because honestly, it used to, like I know you used to say, with I know, but you're the same. It used to be like, three or four days, it would just affect your mood. Like, yeah. Like, how knowing me knows, there's no point asking for anything for the next two days. But if you're for win, she'll ask for anything. Because I'll probably give it. Yeah. There's a reason. I like, yeah, I hate the psychological machine after Liverpool won a title. Because I was like, yeah, go on then. <laughs> it's illogical when you think about it, isn't it? But oh, completely. That's... Absolutely completely. Like, I don't know John Henderson. So why do I then get upset? Like, it is complete. That's the thing. It, I think, I honestly think that's probably one of the main. It's a good thing, really. And it's part of growing up, I suppose. You do just see it for what it is. It is at the end of the day, it is just a game, people kicking and knocking about. And like they're not because the thing is, we spoke about Instagram to me, about players putting things up like the stock answers on Instagram. Yeah. Like the reason players do that is because to them it's just their job, isn't it? The game yeah. is just their job. They get annoyed after losing, but come Monday morning, they go back to train on a Monday afternoon or whatever, they're laughing in training, and yet yeah. I'm in a class full of 28 kids. And I'm annoyed because John Henderson hasn't, or because they pull a block. Should mention Simpson's teacher. He's not just doing that because he likes sitting in classroom yeah. with John Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, do you know what I mean? Like, so if I'll be funny, if the players can be laughing about it, why the hell are fans then still in a foul mood on a Monday afternoon? Like, yeah. Just, yeah, I don't know. It's when you, when you actually sit down and reflect and think about it. Like I'm the same with worse in rugby. I'm worse with rug, rugby than football. Well, after last week's part, I don't know. Because I was like a normal fan going off my head for 30 minutes. And now I look back and think, why am I getting so upset about Eric Dyer giving a penalty away? Or Joe <laughs> Smith paying six at the back? Or Gareth Bale not starting for Spurs? Like, I mean, no, it is all irrational, really. I mean, why do yeah. I support Liverpool? I mean, I'm from South Wales. Up until I was about eight, I don't think I'd ever been to Liverpool. I had no reason to support them. Like, it is all irrational in the wider context. But... There's limits to it. I mean, yes, I love Liverpool. Yes, I want them to win more than any other team. But then to go back to what we discussed earlier with the death threats and taking it so seriously that you can't actually enjoy anything else if a team from like a four-hour drive away can't win a game. Like, yeah, I think now more than ever that I think is kind of the the mentality of more people than it was about a year, year and a half ago. Just on that, Deb, what, you know, I'm not asking for solutions, but because if you think about it, how many people, like Sims, you love going on Twitter, you're on there all the time. You know, how many people are tweeting about, say, Liverpool, if they lose or something like that? It just seems like an impossible task to manage and stop people doing it because in my, in my eye, the only thing you can do is just take all the sport people off social media and then they don't get the abuse. What? Because ultimately, how are you going to... I, I don't know the answer. How are you meant to police all these different accounts? Because you can make an account within seconds. So, I don't know. I don't know the answer to sports people. Well, you know, I'd say about, cause, like you said, I, I enjoy it. I do like it. And I, and, I, and I know it's a toxic place. Mm. So, like, I go into it, my eyes open where, so like, I'm awful because I'm tweeting, like, clusters. So, like, I might not tweet for a week, but then I'll have, like, three in a, on a bunch because I'll think of, like, I'll be watching something and I'll be like, that's annoyed me. Or, 
So, like, the example, the suit check re- um, red annoyed me. I have to say, I was like, I'm tweeting about it. And then afterwards, then, there's, like, another one straight away where, or, like, some, you know, something I like is on, and I tweet about it a couple of times. So I'm, like, I'm dreadful, because I will use it in the week to just scroll, so I'm just looking all the time. But then, you know, you make a conscious effort not to go on, and then you just find, oh, yeah, I'm much better. Like, I leave my phone sometimes just downstairs with the way, and you yeah. feel so much better for not doing it. But you think, like, if yeah. they would, if, you know, I would have no issue with putting my details in, because I know for a fact that I'm not going to say anything or do something stupid yeah. that they're going to be used. Yeah. So you just yeah. think, why, why isn't that a thing, like? Yeah, I, I really don't see how... In 2021, there can't be an algorithm to search live if somebody's making a racist remark or a sexist remark or something about someone's nationality. You know, I don't understand how that can happen and isn't happening. No, and um, it's not like like there's other things in the world that have that same algorithm. Like only yeah. yesterday, I was playing Football Manager, and there's a press conference feature, and if you swear, the game knows you've sworn. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. Is put these keywords into Twitter, yeah. and if these keywords come up, bang, done. Thing is, if you say a certain word on Twitter, and I mean, we can all guess what that word is, you will automatically get a weak ban for it. But if you send an emoji of like a monkey, for example, or then it's like you won't get straight away ban for it. Like mm-hmm. you'd have to be reported, and then it's like, like, I, what? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the, the mere fact you get a weak ban for saying that word. Tells you everything you need to know. Do you see? Um, you should e- just get banned. Ian Wright case. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, that's another one. He got racially abused, and um, I'm not sure the full ins notes, but basically, Ian Wright forgave the fan who yeah. racially abused him. He's younger than Kenny. But the fan still went to court, and they used the fact that Ian Wright forgave him, like, and were like, "Oh, we'll find you not guilty." Ian Wright's forgiven you, and then Ian Wright kicked off, saying, "Yes, I forgave him," but ultimately. He has still done wrong. Yeah. What message? Just because I have it in me to forgive him, like yeah. what message is, is that sending wider society? Like it's, it's the, nuts. The, yeah. The thing is, like the, with with Ian Wright, this is probably just the one message that kind of stood out to him. Yeah. Like you know, these these people with millions of followers or thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers, they're probably getting these message messages weekly. It's the one that kind of stands out. If you're getting like 150 messages a day from these random accounts that, you know, you don't follow and they don't stand out to you, you, you could just be spotting one that's got a racially motivated message. So, yeah. like, I, I think as long as social media is a thing in our life, then you're, you're going to see the worst of people because you, you there are horrible people out there and they will use social media as the platform to... Because social media is a platform where we are kind of able to connect with uh, like these superstars. You know, you see so many people kind of like tweeting so and so and they get like a retweet and that's like made their day. So it's obviously being seen by some footballers or celebrities. So it's, it. I think, I, well, I don't think you can get rid of social media, but I, I think it's impossible to police it. You've got to be, you've got to, like, it actually, on that topic, it is actually e-safety day today. I know, because mm. <laughs> of my job, obviously. And honestly, it's like, it generally comes down, it's like everything in it. Like we say about racism, everything's about education in it. Like if you, so for example, um, like we try and, like uh, there's, there's adults, and I see, I'm funny, we've got friends who do it. And they, they put stuff up like, you know, um, shared Tlenethi or something like that. And it's like, this thing is from like 2012. Yeah. It's about a dog in 2012. And it's like, so you, you haven't even looked then at what you've shared. You see the headline. And yeah, uh, yeah. Right, done. Or like you know, you, be funny. You look at the country. I mean, the whole we've literally changed the whole, everything about us based on the word of other people, and then like a big propaganda war. So it's just like, like you said, football then is like a it's a tiny thing, but because it's so powerful and because it's such a big thing with us, I think it highlighted so much more then. And like I was just I know this thing. Just go back, book. You know you said earlier on about. You kind of it doesn't affect you as long now, and but you were saying like what do, what you take out of it? I always come back to it. One of the best nights out we've ever had was Liverpool losing the Champions League final. Yeah, when Liverpool <laughs> lost to Madrid three yeah. one, and honestly, I, I think back, I think I'm actually chuffed in a way that I still think of it again because 
you know, I'm, I, I'm not absolutely devastated. And we were gutted at the time. Yeah. But I remember, though, it didn't ruin the night. No, 10 minutes, yeah. reflect. Yeah, we were just like, oh, it's just going to point and let's just go. Whereas... Yeah. The biggest game maybe, of, like, it, the 10 years watching mm. the pool. Exactly. And it probably helped as well that we all, we all felt like, oh, this is the start of something. And yeah. thankfully it did. But I just think, like, oh, can you imagine? Imagine, though, like, that just ruins everything. Because for some people it will. And then you think, and what's the next thing they do after all that? They go on to the toxic world of social media. Yeah. And like, oh my word. Where'd you go from there? Like, I, I, yeah, I honestly. To be fair, I was in a bad mood after that night, after James pushed Rob and Rob's on crutches. <laughs> yeah, no, he no, pushed, James he pushed, pushed a bloke into Yeah, he pushed Rob a front bloke into me. Yeah. Just hobbling back from the toilets, and I've got this 40 year old geezer pushed into me. So so that got me over the. There's a few yeah. things I've laughed about that night. Tell you about that night. I remember Butts. Uh, Celebrating Gareth Bale's goal like Spurs had just won the league. Hey, yeah, small, small victories. Got to say, yeah. it was God, like, oh, like back. Like, no, no, the guy who left you for eighteen million quid. Did you break? Did you break your watch that night, Dims? I did break my watch that night. Yeah, but I tell you what, Set. we did have. We had an absolute beaut of a profile picture. The three of us. Yes, we did. Yeah, in the retro Liverpool tops. I actually think, didn't I? Yeah, I dropped my watch. I'm sure I did, didn't I? Like, middle of the celebrating the man they go. Yeah, we couldn't find it. Yeah, and it was like under the seat or something, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, so many negatives. Yeah, it was a great night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, last thing, because, you know, I don't want to go on and on and on. Um, I was thinking about this today, and I look at the NFL, right? We, we all like the NFL. Um, I don't know too much about it, but I know that there's been strikes 30 years in the NFL. And it seems like there's just a daily case of somebody getting abused in the Premier League or a Premier League player. Something's happening, now the referees. And I really think it's going to boil down to these these players are just going to go, do you know what? We're, in, we're employees at the end of the day. Just because we're footballers, we still have rights. You know, we're still under the employment law. And why is it different for me just because I play football get abused? Rather than me working for a company doing projects, it'd be the same thing. So, a part of me probably thinks something like that needs to happen because all these people are talking. There's a lot of talk, isn't there? Always. There's never any action. But could you imagine what would happen if Premier League players went on strike? Like, I can't even fathom what would happen. I don't know if it would be good or bad. But I think I think the way it's going is going to come to a point where. Players are just going to go. Why? You know, I know you can get paid two hundred grand a week, but is this really worth it? Is it really worth it for no, me to just get this abuse? If there's evidence to say a strike would improve and yeah. change, then go for it. I'd back yeah. all day. I I think, and, and I know Rob will say something about this. I think the the power of the NFL is the fact that as players, they've got their they are part of a union, the yeah. NFLPA, which is which basically is the same standing as the owners do, as the actual league itself. So the players actually own part of the league, basically. So they know that you know they sign deals, they sign that collective bargaining agreement, and they know by doing that, we are signing up for the next 10 years to this. Yeah. And so players have got such a, um, uh, much more power than, say, we do here, our players do here in football. You know, look mm. at our PFA. They are, it's, it's PFA I mean, That's they do nothing to help the players. Yeah. The fact yeah. that loads of ex-players come out and have a go at it as well says yeah. all you need to know. Yeah. And yeah, I think what Sim said there, just the fact the players have the say in it is how it should be. I'm not saying like they should run it, but by all means they should have a say or the PFA should have a say. It's it's like it's just there for show. Just before Rob comes, because I know Rob, he knows far more of me about this, but... That, you know, we asked about like what would happen. I genuinely think because what would happen would be is if you were a PFA who was strong enough to do that, and you know they could turn around and say we're on strike, is that the owners of Premier League clubs would start losing money, just like happened in the NFL, because it had hap- this to happen before. You know what happens then? The Premier League start losing money, and the first thing the Premier League will then is they go lobbying and they lobby the government, and then the government then realise oh we need the cash off the Premier League, so then they're lobbying the social media, and all of a sudden the things do improve. Exactly. So. Sometimes it's just 
you just think it, they are like, like you said like if you went to a photocopy something and some bloke called you everywhere in the sun you're yeah. like what's going on here but yeah. i know rob like rob you know far more about that than you so well i think if you like what burke was saying like if there's evidence towards a strike being beneficial uh it's like such a hard question it's more i think maybe it's more of a case of do what this is something i think we haven't tried before and we're making a stand it's not like a stand for for the for the sport it's more of a stand well it is a stand for the sport it's more more of a stand for the players um like if we were to take in the whole um with conic conic taking the knee okay if we were to flip over like the premier league football and that the fact that the the struggle with racism in america and, and bring it over to the uk oh the the fa in the premier league would just be an absolute shell they like it would be ridiculous how badly they would have worked with that and like the nfl didn't deal with it well the nfl dealt with it really really badly it really affected the nfl like roger goodell um I'm not particularly a big fan. He's the commissioner of the NFL and I'm not particularly a big fan because he's not really super supportive of like the players unions, but like Sim was, Sim was saying, like the players kind of like have ownership of the league. You kind of need more and more of that with the Premier League. You need more and more of representatives. Like we just had the NFL honours and the NFL, the, the award, one of the awards is the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And they make a huge emphasis on that. If we were having in the Premier League, Marcus Rashford would win it straight away because the the impact he's doing. So, like, there needs to be more done um, by the Premier League to kind of invite players more to have kind of, like, more ownership, more responsibility, more, more unity, really, not for it just to be these are the employers, these are the employees, and then that massive separate divide. Yeah, uh, I, I basically agree because the one guy springs to my mind because I know he was doing it when um, some things were happening during lockdown. Someone like John Henson, I could really see him taking charge of of something to do with the PFA. And Berg, you said maybe I really think players who are playing now should be the ones sorting themselves out. I don't think it should be up to people like Gordon Taylor or even ex-pros who played 10, 15 years ago, or even five years ago. Because ultimately you're out of the loop. Is it uh, the Formula One? They have like one of their current drivers has got to be the head yeah. of. They should have something know. like that. Like maybe ex players can be part of a committee of some sort, but the head yeah, of. They could have some involvement. Yeah. The players is a current player. Because the thing That'd is, be brilliant. with the NFLPA, it's like it's almost like a miss. Like we and Rob, we've bigged it up better. So, like, it is, the players are in charge, and, like, there's a president of it who obviously plays, and they've got their own committee, exactly like Burke said that. But the actual legal stuff is obviously sorted by top, top lawyers. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not yeah. expecting, like, John Henderson now to be sitting at the table thrashing oh, yeah. up deals. Yeah. But, like like you said, that it's that idea that, because I, I think the biggest problem, other than the obvious one of, well, you know, there's only one NFL, so players can't go anywhere else, whereas with us, we've got leagues, and we've got Champions League and all that, and... You know, they can go to Spain and the the biggest problem I think in this country is they're afraid to make the stand because it's like, oh well I'm not gonna do it, someone else can do it. You know, you it would require it would almost require players to almost sacrifice part of their career because this idea of as soon as they would start doing that and if their performance affected was affected anyway, or just dipped. Not, yeah, it's it's an easy target. Yeah. You look at Marcus Rashford, I've seen people do it with Marcus Rashford, it's like he's twenty two, doesn't he take this piece yeah. yet? And people are like, Oh well you are He's taking his eye off football and now he's struggling. It's like, well, yeah. well, go, going back to the, like the NFL, like Colin Kaepernick, as much as like when he did protest, he wasn't like the starting quarterback. He was a very talented quarterback, led led his team to, you know, a championship game and to the Super Bowl. Like he he, he has sacrificed his career because you know he won't get a job again. Like. And I think Premier League players should look up to him as such an example. Like, obviously, like, it's, you know, if Marcus Rashford wants to do it, he's not going to lose his job. But the impact that he can make, sacrificing, saying that, you know, this is more important than what we're doing on a Saturday at three o'clock, then that would speak to so much. And, like, the, it, it could just, just create such a, like a, like a snowball effect and the momentum and build up. And we can just create throughout the like throughout the English game just this positive like 
I'm, I'm, you know, this is kind of like a huge hypothetical, and I'm living, maybe living in a dreamland. But we can create just the greatest football system, the most positive and just empowering football system where fans fans are more connected. But it's just so much more positivity, and that players are more connected to fans. There's more community projects. There's so much more going on that the game is just growing in. Like you know, you just get to see more of the beauty of it. I'd agree with that. I think we should leave it down on positive notes. I think it's I think it's a really interesting topic. I think maybe we can come back to this and get rid later of down the line. You are? Get rid of VAR. <laughs> oh, well, there. That'll be up to the players. Jo- Bring in the NFL system. Get, oh, well, get well. seven referees on the field. <laughs> and they still get it all wrong. That's the yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, let's uh, bring some bit of more positivity to the pod. So we're going to move on to the draft. Uh, this week it was my turn, and this week's draft is players with the worst squad numbers in the Premier League. Now, just a shout out to Rob. He may be saying they're the best numbers. <laughs> it depends on his mood, because he is exotic, to Rob say the least. Known his, uh, unorthodox squad numbers. Yeah. yeah. So we leave it at that, and we see what he picks. Um, cool. So we got. So I'll be going fourth as usual. Um, so my, I got a couple of questions in case people get them right. Oh, more than one gets it right. Um, so my first question is, the fastest goal scored in the Premier League history came in 7.69 seconds. Who scored it? Burke, I'll go to you first. Um, I think I know this. I think I know it. Yeah, was it Shane Long? Yeah. yeah. This is why I had a second question. <laughs> I thought people might get it right. And this one will... Determine the draft. Did you expect us all to get it though? Well, I expected somebody to get it, but I didn't expect everyone to. But uh, that's good knowledge. Um, Right. So, Phil Foden was outstanding against Liverpool on the weekend. But I want to know how many appearances has he made for Man City since his debut in 2017? So, closest to it gets the first pick. Is there Premier League appearances? Do we know? Premier League appearances. So, I will start with. Well, I just got a Shane Long answer, right? I should go first. Oh, well, okay, yeah, you can go first. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Um, actually, I'd rather go last on some. Um, <laughs> you can't go higher or lower, though. No, so exactly, <laughs> that's my plan. Um, I'll go 32. I'm going to go 48. Uh, I will go 56. Okay, I can tell you. That Burke is in third, Sims is in second, and Mr. Bowen is number one. You're actually only two off. 58 appearances he's had so far. So, yeah. I'm sure there'll be a lot more considering the way he's playing at the moment. I was only counting the ones where you played for more than two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> they all count, according to Wikipedia. Um, Rob, I, well, let's see what happens, but you go first. <laughs> Thank you very much. Right, let's kick off this list with a bang. Uh, right then, so we're going to London and we're going to Stamford Bridge, okay? Um, I'm not going to list former players that have used this number, but I'm just going to list some Premier League superstars that have used this number, okay? Cantona, Beckham, Cristiano Ronaldo, Roy Perez, Luis Suarez, currently Raheem Sterling, and let's go back a few years, Matlatis. So why is N'Golo Kante wearing number seven for Chelsea? It's not right. It's everything that's wrong with the sport. Case closed. On to Sims. I thought you would have enjoyed that number with Kante. That, that seems like your kind of thing. It's not, it's not exotic enough. <laughs> <laughs> There's another seven. Right, 77. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I am pleasantly surprised at that one, Rob. I'm not going to lie. I thought yeah. it would be something different there. Right. I'm going to go a bit north from you, Rob. And I'm going to go to Sean Deichland. Lovely. Lovely. And the reason I'm going to go there, it's not so much what his number is, it's what his number could have been, looking at the, looking at the empty numbers there. And I'm like, well, why have you gone there? So if you're a goal-scoring striker, okay, you made your name on scoring goals, I mean, I don't know why you're sharing a number with Diva Grigi to start off with. You're <laughs> number 27. 
I don't think so. So my problem with Matej Vidra is he could have had number 14, Thierry Henry. He could have had 17, 20. That's a lovely number for a striker. 21 even. So why has he gone 27? 27. Like I, got a, I, I don't understand why would a striker be 27 if they were in the first team plans. Diva Grigio, 27, because when he joined Liverpool, there was no other number, really. Vidra could be 14. Why is he not banging on the door going, Gaffer, just give me 14 now, pal, please? Can I play devil's advocate on this one? Yeah, of course you can. Because I have you had an argument for this squad number, because it's not just a Regan Vidra. There's more strikers that I've seen with 27, and I've read it's because 2 plus 7 equals 9. <laughs> that's why, that's why Baldini uh... wore 45 as well. The same uh, I don't believe Victor believes in all that rubbish. To be honest, I think I, he's... I 100% agree with you. I'm just here to be a dick. <laughs> in that case, I'm choosing 81 on pro clubs, <laughs> as you always do. Go on, Burke. I think it's you now. Um, so my next one, and but I know you said current, but this guy left in January, and such it. a monstrosity that. Um, Glad he's on the league. Yeah, yeah, to make it. Yeah, me too. Um, so this guy, Fulham player, and he chose this squad number so he could be known as AK forty seven. It's Abu Kamara. He's now playing for Dijon. But how come Sterling got so much shit for having a tattoo of a firearm on his leg, which was personal to him, and yet Abu Kamara can go under the radar? For naming naming himself after a gun, mate. You're playing Premier League football, knock all duty, sort it out. <laughs> Plus, aside from that, let's say people accepted it and it's not a problem. The one thing I expect from the AK-47 is that it can shoot. This guy, centre forward, last three years playing week in week out at the Championship, and no, I don't I don't know where he's playing somewhere, but like not as high level league, and he's got eight goals in the last three years. Like, mate, come on, don't, don't. You're not AK-47, there's nothing about you. He's playing with the safety on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sort it out. Yeah, game's gone. But it is. I feel like every everyone should end their comment with game's gone, because I like I that. Wrote that <laughs> yeah. I wrote that at the end of every single one of my paragraphs. With players. Right, I'm actually, well, I, I am surprised I'm not surprised, but I'm quite glad I've got this, because it seems right, as I'm, the only non-Liverpool fan here. So I think we can all guess who I'm going to go for. It's going to be Trent. I mean, the guy's a Champions League winner, a Premier League winner, one of the best fullbacks, attacking fullbacks in the world. You know, he's been touted as the next best thing. And yet, he still wears the number 66. And I mean, I just can't fathom the number 66 on a football pitch for a Premier League winner. Anything under 30... I can hear an argument and I may accept it. He's captain Liverpool six, as well. Six. Well, there we go. There's another one. And it's, I'm sorry, he's, how long has he been playing now? Three years? Four years, maybe? Yeah, 2016, I think he made his debut. Yeah. As Sim said, he should be knocking on the gaffer's door going, you're good. Any chance of number two or what? Yeah. That's exactly. the right back number. It's, it's free. probably free. It is free. There we are. It's free. Give it to me. Happy days. I'll stay for the next 10 years. as your number two. <laughs> but honestly, number 66, it, it baffles me. But. It's not a surprise he's playing the way he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's fooled us all. I think <laughs> he's a number two. He's actually a 66. Um, right. There's, oh, this might go again. Oh, I got some people I want to really. Oh, sorry. James, game's gone. Game's gone. <laughs> um, there are some horrendous numbers out there, I'll be honest. Um, I'm going to go for a striker. Now, I feel kind of harsh as he is a fellow countryman and he probably scored one of the best goals I've ever seen <laughs> in international tournaments and you know he, he's given us memories that we'll never forget but I cannot overlook the fact that this guy is a striker and the same thing with Sims 27 2 to 7 is 9 I'll tell you what doesn't add up to the 9 4 in its own and as Hal <laughs> Robson Cardinal he is number 4 which is absolutely Ridiculous. Number four is a centre back or a holding midfielder and nothing else. So the fact he is up front 
I'm not surprised he's not playing under Big Sam because Big Sam is our tolerant and our sort of nonsense. <laughs> Games <laughs> gone. Thank you. Move on. Um, that's right. a very good effort, but I agree. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, ah, I don't know which way to go, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to play safe. It's not as wild as AK47 or the ones any of us named so far. Um, but you mentioned him in the, in the build-up, but Phil Foden, right? It was big talk about this season being his breakthrough season. He's replacing David Silva. Show it. Get his number. Go get a number that befits a Man City starting player. You're meant to be one of the best young talents. Surely you can do better than 47. If you can't, game's not for you. Game's gone. <laughs> you talking to Trent? He gets mad at the match on a Sunday and then we're sleeping and saying the game, he's not for him, the game's not for him. That's what, yeah. Honestly, that's why he was my question, my back no, question. He's on my list. Yeah, he just... Yeah, I nonsense. question whether he believes if he can make it. Because if he, if, if he can't, it explains it all. If he can, he's knocking on Pep's door, start the season, going, give me a number. Maybe he, he wants to be a number 11. Say again. He looks like a bad lad, Phil Bolden. He looks like a hell of a dick, I think. <laughs> yeah, but he's one of those like probably in fourth does. Yeah, he looks like a dick, and then you speak to him, and he'll he'll be fine, and he slag you off behind your back. He's one of those. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I wouldn't want to fight to him, but I always I always base no. it on would I want to fight to this guy, and I've never looked into him, gone yes to him. Never. Sorry, Phil. We didn't tweet this. We're saying it to your face, so we hope you can respect that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phil, me and you, it's not going to happen, pal. <laughs> Just realised I picked two forty sevens: PF forty seven and AK forty seven. <laughs> That's your number now. Game's gone. You play for Darwin again. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going to stick to Man City. I've got a few here, but I feel like this one. That's all I put. Like I say, it, I'll just give it, give it to you straight now. I Eric Laporte. I can't say his name properly. Eric. Centre half, yeah, Eric. But I know he, I didn't want to say that because I know he ruined someone on Twitter the other day, didn't he? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> just in case. Isn't it? Toxic places <laughs> on it. So, so I, I didn't want to cause offence, like. But um, Mr. Laporte, ah, <laughs> number 14. Now, I agree with Butts there. 14 to start with is never a centre back number. Never in a million years. So why is he going to. And that's all I put for me. I, the only thing I can say is it's just not for me, Jeff. I, I'm not having the port at 14. The port 14, not for me, Jeff. Game's gone. Drake and Pep turned around one day and goes, but yeah, he's number 14. Out the team. John Stone's number five. Get in my team. Do you know what? We need the things that happen. Pep has therefore just assumed Laporte's number five yeah. and then just put five on the team sheet. Next day, John Stone's is having worldly games. That's probably why he's in Chink. Goes playing 11 all the time. Probably gets yeah. more game time. They keep on thinking that like, someone's really good at 11. Yeah, they think Phil Forden's playing out there. <laughs> Go on, Rob. Finish it off, lad. Well, I'm quite gutted because before Sims Benson's in Chenko, and I was going to make a lovely case for it. But <laughs> no, we could. I've got a couple of few options. Uh, yeah, but you said Robson Kanu, uh, Trent, obviously. Uh, I'm going to go to a team that's currently playing right now. So we are currently recording. It's about 20 past eight, Tuesday evening, February 9th, 2021. <laughs> and on in the FA Cup, Manchester United versus West Ham United. Good game. So, which side am I going to go? You know, am I going in the Midlands with uh, with Manchester, or am I going down south back to London? I'm going to the I'm going to the Olympic Stadium. Okay, this is where I'm going. Glad you've not gone to the Midlands because Manchester. It's 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 more middle of the country. Let's be honest, it's more middle of the country than south. Right, yes, we're in the Olympic Stadium. West Ham been to the Olympic Stadium when the, the Olympics were there back in 2012. Lovely stadium. Good for uh, athletics, not good for football. Right then, game's gone. I don't think I need to make a case for a player. <laughs> the game's gone. No, but here we go. So, Chicharito, when he was at West Ham, he did have the number nine at one point. That became free. And it was free for a year. So why has Michael Antonio not taken it? Why have you kept the number 30 ladder? I don't care how much it means to you. You have proven yourself as quite a solid Prem striker. 
Now prove it and give yourself a good Prem striker number. Give yourself the number nine, lad, and the goals will be hitting 25-30. Okay, it's, it's a proven fact. So, Mikel Antonio, I'm sorry, lad, but the game's gone and it's not coming back. <laughs> I feel a bit harsh for Mikel Antonio there. Yeah, he's not well. out and out sent forward. I, I feel, I feel I maybe a change like, of numbers needed. Yeah, it would be if he was number nine. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. no, no, no. Do you know how disgusting no, it looks no. when Bale's on the wing wearing his number nine? I'm getting that vibe off Mikel Antonio. Yeah. Uh, Anto- Antonio, has, he's settled as a striker the past two seasons. And now Ben Ram has come in and taken it. Is Ben Ram is not a striker? Right. So maybe you know more of a case there. That? Yeah. I'm going to go into that. I'm going to look over all of Oasis' old performances just to see if they're ever introduced as the brothers from the Midlands. <laughs> 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 it's the middle of the country. I couldn't give a damn if you want to say Birmingham's Midlands. It's middle of the country. <laughs> Fine. I tell you what. There are some bad eggs in this league. When you went to West Ham, I assumed you'd go into the play I got down here. Declan Rice, number 41. He's been talking. Nah. He's in England International. Perfectly he's been going to Chelsea <laughs> and he's still number 41. Mate, I don't know if he wants a number five jersey, four plus one. I don't know. But <laughs> Honestly, some of these no. numbers are here. Do we have any honourable mentions? Edison. Your top yeah. five goalkeeper in the world. Yeah. Why are you yeah. around number 31? Yeah. You, you become number one. City's number one. Go and get number one for me, please. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Goalkeepers you saw... should have three numbers. That's it. One, 13, 25. If those yeah. numbers are taken, don't join the club. That's yeah, good. exactly. Yeah. Alison Becker, initially when he joined 13, now he's AB1. That's not yeah. even a hot take. That's an unbelievable take, Bert. That's probably your best, the greatest ever one line that we've had on this part. <laughs> uh, another one for me. Uh, William, number 12. Just really ugly. Like we were talking last night yeah. about when we like when it's like you know grassroots football, what what numbers, what position, when twelve is on, like twelve shouldn't be a winger. Twelve is your backup goalkeeper. Correct. Correct. No, thirteen. I thirteen. I like twelve. I do like twelve. Yeah. But if you if you're I'll if, it's the, if it's on the back of a fag packet, okay, twelve is your goalkeeper. That's how you're making your way making your way yeah. down the list. Yeah. Um, um, talking of goalkeepers, uh, Rob, you mentioned one of my shouts yesterday, so I didn't go for him. Aaron Ramsdale. How on earth is he wearing a number one shirt in Premier League? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they're awesome. I, I got two. I think I think one thing I say is it's very impressive, and I think it shows the level of respect we've got for each other, that none of us decided to go for Rui Patricio, which yeah. I'm glad about, because obviously everyone knew that was the obvious answer. Yeah. But... Uh, my second one, I, I didn't say it because I wasn't 100%. Alioski, isn't he a defender, a left back? Yeah. Right, like so a Zinchenko. I'd say he's like a Zinchenko, whereby he's more yeah, of an attacking player and he's kind of, Bielsa has been the great the manager that he is and adapted yeah. him to that back row. I don't care whatever Bielsa ball is. I don't care if he's playing goalkeeper as a right mid half. I change his squad number. It's never acceptable at a left back position. Yeah. Also, if uh, if you're you two are making a case for thirteen being a goalkeeper, why is Callum Wilson wearing number thirteen for Newcastle and for Bournemouth before it? For the same uh, Rams uh, Rams argument, is it Julian Dunner wears number nine for Newcastle? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, what's all that about? Games so gone. Callum Wilson, in my opinion, that is. Yeah. But why why is Bobby Firmino wearing nine? <laughs> yeah, game number four. <laughs> Games gone. So I got a few. I've left some on the board, yeah. I mean, Cliff, number 43. Wild. Nico Williams, another bloody Liverpool players. Liverpool need to check themselves because there's a few players going under the radar here. Number 76, Nico Williams. Oh, outrageous. Kevin De Bruyne, one of the best players ever in the greatest Premier League. Yeah. Still number 17. Outrageous. Man City are uh, dangerous on us. Oh, I'm sure we've yeah. named their basically first 11. Pep needs to go back to save us. He's not seeing the picture yet. He's not seeing these players' backs or something like that. It's, Again, What's he in actual for Leicester? 17, 1, 7, 8. He's actually number 8, isn't he? That's a, that's, you've got to use oh. the theory, but you've got to remember oh. it. Don't know. Don't know. It's suspect, in my opinion. It is suspect. Andy Carroll, number 7. Oh. Need I say no more? Oh. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> come on. And the last one, I had Troyori, number 37. It just doesn't sit right with me. 37. No. Mm. No. Um, yeah. 
Rob, you asked Iannaccio 14 years, but I'm sure, was it when it was he first joined? Or... Was it, oh, I imagine him, him being 72, was that City? Either Man City or when he first joined Leicester, I can't remember, but I remember he had a 70s number. Oof. But Ooh, se- just... 72, 7 plus 2. Do you know, <laughs> the more I think about it, that Andy Carroll one is probably the worst one of all. Yeah, <laughs> Considering the players have worn that number for Newcastle in the Prem. I don't know, he's or, quite a or even before the Prem. player. <laughs> yeah, I've often looked at Carroll and thought he's a diminutive little player with hey. a good technician. <laughs> and to think, Liverpool spent how much of they spent on him? 35 mil? Yeah. I read about him the other day where he was talking about the day of the move and apparently he genuinely wanted to fail his medical because yeah. he didn't want to go. So yeah. then you wonder then, well, I wonder why he failed when he got there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, right, there's five minutes left, I think. So I did I did have a big question at the end. It wasn't really a question, it was more of a game. But I'm conscious we've been on for a while, so I'll park it and bring it up another time. Um, I did have another question. It's a bit of a, well, we're going from positivity to a bit of negativity. Get um, the game out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so my question is, Doping in football, do we think it goes on? And if so, how often does it go on at the elite level? Not grassroots, because it probably does go on down there. But maybe League Two, League One, Championship, Premier League. What's your initial thoughts? I personally, I don't think it does go on because of mm. how how many, like I'm thinking of back to the sack or when, like these people who get tested and they even get from positive when they're not doing anything wrong. I think they set the bar so high with the testing from why I read. Obviously, I'm not in that environment, so I don't know. But from why I've read, it is fairly regular testing. Two players after every game, I'm sure, get picked either under UEFA rules or Premier League rules. I th- I don't think a player would be stupid enough to risk it either. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you... I don't think it's coming in from either side where players are doing it or they're being pressured to it just because... From what I can see from the outside, I don't think there would be a uh, way of getting away with it. Yeah, I I don't like. There's no kind of rumours or rumbling it of it happening. So it's it's either it's not happening at all, or they're all doing it, and it is the greatest cover up ever, which you know is pretty unbelievable when you think of you know how many you know, gosh, you could you could make a mental book exposing that. Mm-hmm. Like a you know, an average player has just finished their career, bit of money from a book, from a publishing deal, whatever. No, I can't. I can't see it happening. Yeah, Sims. I um, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me being naive, but I because there's such a technical side to it. I don't really see where they can gain that much of an advantage either from it. Like there's other sports where they obviously the 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 gain from doing it is pretty obvious. You get bigger or you become fitter. But with football, I mean. All right, yeah, you could argue yeah, it helps them get fitter, but you don't really need to be big to start off with, so that's not, you know, that's not really an issue. And then with the fitness thing, well, you can be as fit as you like, but if you're not actually technically good in football, then that doesn't help you at all. Yeah. So no. I, I just think yeah. of the actual, the practical side of it, I don't really see that there's as much of a need or want to no. do in football. Yeah. The, the um, only reason I bring it up is because of um, the Ajax scorekeeper. Um, it was a headache um, pill he took, wasn't it? Yeah, he took his wife's pill by accident. So, you know, I got no reason not, not to believe that. But That was Colo Torre as well. Colo Torre took either his wife's or took just supermarket weight loss pills. Yeah. And they had something there which is on the banned list. I think Sarko, his was a false positive. So I think these are just three examples of players getting found positive for not doing it. I mean, you don't even hear players getting found positive for actually doing it. And I think... The stories that I'm thinking of, it tends to be individual sports that are yeah. more known for it because of what Sim said is that it comes down to more than one aspect where they need more speed, where they need more fitness, where in a team sport, mm. it's all the roles are differently, uh, different technically as opposed to physically. Yeah. So I, I don't think there's something that would change that. I suppose the, the the way the obvious way in football is the growth hormones, and like there's obviously little mess. He's a, he's documented that he had them when he was younger, like the injections. Um, 
and I suppose that is. But again, you you don't you won't take them no when you're when you are at that level. You take that when you're in your yeah. adolescence and trying to break through, isn't it? So I I personally don't believe there's any kind of big big thing. I think you know the the only problem you would have added drugs in football used to be recreational, and these days players are so professional that you know half of them don't even drink, so let alone take drugs. Yeah, and Maradona was found positive just from his celebration alone, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know what I, mean? yeah. well, I, I just don't see that it's a big issue myself personally no, I, I agree no I completely agree with everything said I think I, Sims nailed on the end um, you know, the, there's no like in rugby all the guys take steroids for obvious reasons but yeah just because you take a drug doesn't mean you're going to kick a ball, ball any better because if you can't kick a ball you can't kick a ball so yeah I completely agree how long may it continue because we want a clean sport Right, that brings us up to half past nicely. So we'll finish it there. Hope we got things off our chest. And uh, we'll speak next week. Cheers, All boys. All the best. Adios. Game's gone. <laughs>